0: Music has always fascinated me more than any other thing. And um, and the way I write is from very personal experiences, very real experiences, um, probably too honest, to be honest, in um, a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, I've just finished a record here where it's very honest. It's all about us moving from Australia to America and the process of it all. And the... Uh, the challenges the the great challenges of of moving in a global pandemic um and the world and how what the world is now compared to 2 years ago and with a an 8 year old and a 2 year old and all the uncertainty and um flying into the the absolute unknown and and really starting all over again
1: Welcome to the self-love podcast. This week, I have a beautiful friend, an amazing soul, a very talented, incredible songwriter and musician, the amazing Wesley Dean. Wes, also known as Wes Carr, uh, is an Australian singer, songwriter and multi-instrumentalist, best known for winning the sixth season of Australian Idol in 2008. But as you will hear in today's podcast, this extraordinary human has been through lots of ups and downs, lots of incredible opportunities for growth, and has certainly taken an incredible leap of faith by upheaving his whole family and moving to Nashville in the middle of a pandemic. And I can honestly say there's so many beautiful messages in today's podcast, so many beautiful epiphanies that you may feel for yourself, but also knowing that musicians just have a way of reaching into our hearts and souls like no other. And I'm sure if you haven't heard of him before, you will certainly be hearing more of him as his next album will be released on April 22nd out of Nashville. So here is a beautiful opportunity to hear how this beautiful soul writes his music, what inspires him, how amazing his family is and all of the things that makes up this beautiful human I cannot wait to hear what you think of today's show. He, as I said to you, is one very special soul with a lot of talent. And you can follow him at Wesley Dean Music on Instagram. Please let him know that you've heard this podcast and certainly share your feedback. If you go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast, or you can place your comments on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, or on Facebook, Kim Morrison Training. Cannot wait to hear what you think of this special show. Take care, be kind. As you know, some of the most beautiful souls on this planet are my dearest friends. I may be biased, but it is such a treat to have the incredible Wes Carr on the Self-Love podcast all the way from Nashville. Welcome to the show, beautiful soul. Hey, Kimmy. How are you? Oh it's such a treat to have you on here. We've been trying to line this up for a while and you know you are someone who I consider quite an exceptional being. You have incredible talent. You are an amazing dad, a beautiful husband, one of the dearest friends. But I also know my sweet, you're a typical beautiful human who has their ups and downs, who has their challenges. But before we get into any of that, would you be so kind as to letting the beautiful self-love podcast listener know a little bit about your journey and how you have become so ensconced in the music world and what's led you to where you are today?
0: Okay, Uh, well, I won, um, and thank you, by the way, that was beautiful. Um, I won Australian Idol, I guess, is the the biggest um, accolade in the industry, uh, well, the most known Uh, accolade in the industry so far in 2008 um, I was 25 going on 26 and um, I was at a crossroads at that point in time I sort of I grew up on the music scene in Sydney in and out of independent bands and um, being a troubadour from sort of about 12 years old I kind of taught myself how to play music play uh, write music and play piano and guitar and uh from there you know progressed into playing solo acoustic in front of you know late night venues in uh Oxford Street and King's Cross and my dad used to have to drive me around to get into these places in order for me to then play these uh um these pubs and clubs and uh I was obsessed with music at at a very young age and um you know, I, I climbed the, the ranks, I guess, in the, in the industry. I signed a publishing deal when I was 19, 20. Um, I was obsessed with writing music more so than anything else. I think the writing for me has evolved um, over my life, but it's always been the number one obsession with me. Singing can't, kind of came too easy um, music, music kind of came too easy. And when I say too easy, it's like, I didn't have to sort of work at doing that. It was more like, that was what I did. And then the writing kind of was the challenge. So therefore it came to kind of the, the forefront of my mind. Like I, I, it's always something that I need to better myself with. So when I, uh, when I entered Australian Idol, it was a very, it was a crossroads moment because, I felt like I was sort of pawning off that side to me, that creative side, and going into performer world where I was the, you know, the dancing monkey on the, on the TV show all of a sudden. Um, and personally, I struggled with that internally because it felt like I'd sort of, um, yeah, like I said, pawned myself, pawned that part of me off um, and uh, only gave a certain version of myself on that uh, on that opportunity, which is a great opportunity, by the way, to get your music out there or get your name out there. And um, so um, no, nothing negative to say about that. It was just a, a personal journey for me. Um, but the growth, the personal growth that came out of Australian Idol and being in front of the TV, you know, being on TV and being a TV personality more so than a music personality was something that I really struggled with. But also, I learn a lot about myself. So, looking back on it now, um, you know, I see the blessing in it all. Um, uh, but I don't really like, it, to be honest, I don't really like the accolade of being the Australian Idol because, personally, to me, I feel like I, um, you know, I, I feel like I've, I have a little bit more to offer than just just that. But in saying that, I'm very grateful for everything that i've experienced because of the uh the personal journey i think i'm talking in circles now (laughs) but 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 that but it's a it's a big thing to, to try and describe because you know um for me um it's been such a big uh you know over 10 years now um with grappling with a little bit of um uh well a lot of of depression and anxiety and things that that came with that so when i when I did do that i um you know a lot of things were dragged to the surface things that um that i hadn't yet dealt with um in my past and things that I um learnt a lot about myself through that experience and so uh, sometimes I say. Being on the Australian Idol was like a personal development course uh, where I learn a lot about myself and so um, yeah, so I guess I retract the comment of um, of not liking the fact that I was on the sh- on the show or not liking being known for that but it's only I guess what i 'm saying is it 's only one part of me, and um, the growth that i 've had to go through in order to get to Nashville where I am now um, it has been exponential, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I, I love challenging myself. For, for, and so, you know, we flew off into the unknown <laughs> a year ago now, nearly, nearly a year ago. We've been here a year through the pandemic and um, it's had its challenges itself. But, um, yeah, and yeah, I think we're getting there.
1: It's a, pretty, it's a pretty big journey. And and I hear exactly what you're saying about the Idol experience and having met you um, a number of years ago now, and we've had some pretty beautiful, big, long, deep conversations around this. But yeah. if you don't mind me going back to it, I mean, there's a couple of things you've said in here. First of all, I'm really curious. How the heck does somebody teach themselves to play music? Do you think you were innately born with that talent, like you said, because it wasn't hard? for you and you just were obsessed and interested in it therefore you just continuously practiced until you became a master at it or did you act do you actually think that people can be taught to become a master
0: Um, for me i you know when i was really young all i did was listen to michael jackson um thriller was the record of choice um and from very young it was really everything that I could think about doing was, was music. So I don't really have much of a memory about, I you know, a lot of my childhood was literally around music. So I, I don't have much, I mean, I we went on holidays and things, but really music was my escapism and, you know, I guess it was an escapism, whatever was going on around me. And, um, you know, uh, my mum and dad. Um, God bless their souls. They they uh, found uh, found each other very young, and they were very young. Country family, um, and they they had their struggles, and that ended up becoming. Uh, you know, obviously that fell apart, and they divorced when I was twelve. And when you're twelve, 12, as a, as a young, well, as a young child, no matter who you are. You're trying to work out you know who you are and what you're doing and um, and and, uh, and at that time uh, there was a lot of challenges around a lot of things for me and so music was became even more of an escape even more of a creative endeavor and i then uh, I strung my mum's nylon string guitar and i i don't have you know I have sort of these very vivid images of my childhood and then other times i have like I, they're very blurry like i don't really remember some things but um these sorts of you know stringing my mum and my mum's nylon guitar was is like it feels like it happened yesterday and that's when i just kind of learned a few chords i was really into nirvana and we had an old pianola that that yeah, for those who view that have no idea what a pianola is, is it's like an early um, a, a, an early piano where you could pedal the there's pedals that would come out underneath the piano and you could pedal that and and the pedals would then play the song and we had like the Everly Brothers pianola um, rolls that we would load up and and I would watch the the keys playing these songs and then I would then emulate the keys. And I'd be like, oh, well, that's a D and then, well, that's a C. And, and so I worked out by watching the keys being played whilst I was peddling how to sort of play the piano and then I would write songs around those keys. So I taught, taught myself how to play uh, Bee Gees and <laughs> uh, all these other, you know, and the Beatles and, you know, and Nirvana. And um, and, uh, and, then, and then I'd really sort of just adapt some of those songs into what I wanted to say to the world. And um, I created from there and that was, that was, and I just, you know, you just keep going and just keep doing it and you just get better and better and better at it, I guess. Um, and I was already a singer. I was in a Johnny Young talent team in Adelaide. So I was, um, I was singing in public since I was sort of eight, you know, and uh, I kind of knew how to work a crowd at an early age. And, um, but then as I started being a songwriter, I started to really internalize everything Um and uh and they're, they're very different beasts between being a performer and being a songwriter. Um, performing is, you know, your extrovert and and mostly songwriting is is your introvert part. So fusing all that together can become pretty confusing sometimes, especially when you're a teenager. So I I had no idea which way I wanted to go. Um and uh and and but then that all fused into more and more songs and more and more creativity. And then I moved to Sydney from Adelaide and, um, and everything that has happened to me that's um, been cathartic has always been, has always come out as a blessing, even though I didn't know the lesson at the time. And so when I was 15, I left all of my friends and family from Adelaide and I went to live with my dad in Sydney and at that time, you know, Dad was living with his girlfriend, and it was all a bit strange um, and i didn't know what to think of all that so i so that fueled songwriting even more and out of all these little kind of cathartic gems of my life that were traumatic at the time, it just went straight into my music and then I then had industry people come and knock on my door, and I was all of a sudden in uh, manager meetings and label meetings when I was really young you know 14 or 15 I was sort of showcasing my songs and people were were calling me the next Neil Young and and whatever and and that that was a bit strange too because that does something to your brain <laughs> when you're oh wow so much potential in this guy you know and like all of a sudden you're going to you think know, you're the next big thing when you're a kid and then that doesn't happen it can be really kind of strange warped sense of reality almost so um, I had to sort of work out who I was in all of that um, too, where I I didn't get the, the golden chalice at the end of the day. But then you know, now I know that there there is no such thing as a destination. Um, but at the time when you're a kid, you re- you know you you're always striving for. Uh, especially at that time, I was like, "Love me, love me, anyone, please." <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and as the performer too, you you want, you're a people pleaser in, in I guess, in a, in a certain way too. Um, and I was taught to be that kind of performer where you had to um, get the back row up and if you don't get the back row up by the end of the gig, you sort of haven't done your job properly. You know, well, that's what I, that was, and that, you know what, that was a self-imposed lesson at a very young age because I don't know where I heard that from, but um, I guess I got it from somewhere. And my idol was Michael Jackson, probably the best that's ever lived. And so I wanted to live up to the best that's ever lived. And I've always done that. So I do put a, an immense amount of pressure on myself um, in order to, um, to achieve these, these great goals and these great things that I've, you know, I've always wanted to, wanted to do and I've always dreamed about. And, um, and I'm still in pursuit of that. So, yeah. It's
1: almost like, as I listen to you after watching the amazing documentaries on people like Elton John, who was the performer, the extrovert, and then Bernie Taupin, who was the introvert, the songwriter, it's almost like it must be insane to have the talent in all of those ways. I mean, they're big personalities within themselves. And I, I can see you. I love the way you think. I love where your mind goes. And so therefore, do you think, and I just want to ask this from your perspective, only because I heard Adele say this as well, that a lot of her good songs have actually been written out of pain do you think a lot of musicians that write these incredible songs, is it because pain opens us in such a way that makes us so raw and vulnerable? And as you say, it becomes a cathartic healing process, as opposed to the joys of life.
0: There has. So this is the. The age-old question, but I think the secret of music is the pain and the joy all in one. So Adele has a sense of joy when she sings, but she's singing in a in a in that uh, about a painful thing. But you still get her release. You still get a release from what she's singing about because she has a sense of joy in in what she's doing. And I th- I think you know what a wonderful world is the perfect song because it's got. You could be played at a wedding and a funeral you know it's uh, and and I think that's the secret of music is it has all the emotion in one thing, and that's what makes music so powerful the universal language because it does have um you can't really describe it i mean i 'm trying to describe it, but st- sort of stumbling through it it's it's a hard thing it's a it's an unspoken thing um and uh i mean Eric sarty the a composer once i 've always been interested in this. He, um, I don't know much about Eric Satie, but I, but I'm I'm told, and I that he once composed a piece of music with no music written, and so when the audience got there, the or, or orchestra would, <laughs> the orchestra would, you know, like sit down and pretend they're about to play something, and they didn't, and then it would the, the music was the audience's reaction to the silence. So it, it's it's a far out kind of thing, but like I guess it, what 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 it's what it's saying is it's kind of like it's in the eye of the beholder or or the people's reaction that makes um, you know what a wonderful world would mean something completely different to you than it does to me, you know. Um, but yeah, we all it's a universal song, you know, and. Music has always fascinated me more than any other thing. And um, and the way I write is from very personal experiences, very real experiences, um, probably too honest, to be honest, in um, a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, I've just finished a record here where it's very honest. It's all about us moving from Australia to America and the process of it all. And the... Uh, the challenges the the great challenges of of moving in a global pandemic um, and the world and how what the world is now compared to two years ago and with a an eight year old and a two year old and all the uncertainty and um, flying into the the absolute unknown and and really starting all over again and leaving it such a beautiful place and a beautiful home and being very comfortable um but there was a certain, there was a sense of me where I was like, that I haven't done what I've, I need to do in this life. Like it, it's just a, and it's, and maybe that's always, that's always going to be my story. <laughs> I'm always going to be a bit restless with, um with it, but that it was just an opportunity that came about and I had to go for it. No matter what, what time of hi- in history it is, you know, you have to sort of, Uh, take it on and and you know take the opportunities whatever challenges they um appears down the track you know that's right and so mm.
1: i I think i do think that one of the most amazing things about music and and i know that that they are completely separate but my love of plants herbs and smells there is something about that only music And only smell can do, and that is transport us back to a place or a time in our lives where the unconscious mind just picks up where it left off. There is nothing else that does that. Music is so symbolic. You can get goosebumps and a memory so vivid from your childhood or a special day or moment or time, and it will always be there. And the same with smell. We certainly know that it can evoke certain memories. So from your perspective then, how do you as an artist grow through what you go through when it comes to music? Who you are today, I remember hearing Madonna saying at one point, She actually hated listening to her younger music at one stage because that's not who she is anymore, yet everyone wanted her to play that. How do you feel when you turn up to a gig? Do people still want you to play with these old stuff or want you to be this showcase like you were on Idol, a performer, so to speak? How have you grown through that? And what do you do to perform and yet stay true to your core self?
0: So um, there was a time where I was avoiding everything that I did in the past because, you know, I wanted everybody to hear my my new stuff and that's an age-old artist's um, struggle with trying to reinvent themselves or staying relevant and moving with the times and then, you know, some person in the back, you know, requests a song you did 20 years ago and it's like, oh, man, really? I went through twenty years, and you still want this song? Okay, um, but now it's kind of it's kind of cool. I actually really, uh, you know, I've gone full circle with that. I really like the stuff I did when I was younger because knowing me now and looking back, I know what I was going through, and um, you know, was it the best thing I could have done back then? Maybe I don't know. I could have possibly done better. But, you know, you get, can get caught up in all that. And and um, some of the big radio songs that I had, um, you know, uh, what, 10, 12 years ago or whatever, in Australia anyway, um, where you'd, you'd get in the car and it was on for the 100th time that day sort of thing, um, was an absolute complete trip. Like I yeah, – it was just crazy. It was just like, wow. It's like it, I was – you know, at the time, I, I guess I, I was so in it that I may possibly taken a lot of it for granted. But um, now I look back on it as such a great memory and, and, and so blessed to have had that opportunity to, to you know, to experience that because not a lot of musicians do experience that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very aware of uh, how blessed I am in that regard to sort of have that kind of commercial success in my life um and you know hopefully we'll have that again um a lot more here in a, in america and, and around the world i mean you know what i'm talking about right now with this record is really exciting and we're how i'm having meetings with all these people that are on the forefront of some very exciting things and i'm i'm purely independent still and so i'm like you know I've my page is blank once again i'm i'm really like really really lucky like i'm one percent of the world at the moment so i have um i am you know i'm blessed by angels i know that for a fact um but i have worked my ass off to get here too but (laughs) to be honest and and um and you know i guess it does prove that you know all good things come to those who wait you know and i've definitely done my time in all of that um which is your favorite album out of all the ones, like
1: I mean, I loved. I absolutely remember, you know, the Buffalo Tales. I loved your Here Comes the Sun. I, I don't know. There was just so many beautiful that Australiana album of yours. I just, I oh, still I work out to them.
0: Yeah, cool. So I did Australiana on just at home. I I, I didn't have any plans for that. It was literally. Uh, a project of mine that I went, I'm just going to do this. Um, I'll do it all by myself uh, in a, in a little room in Coolum beach. And, um, and that was it. It was, and then I released it. It wasn't like I have, I didn't have any expectations for it or anything. And, you know, it just goes to show you that sometimes when you don't have much expectations, um, sometimes it can get, it, it can be, you know, you throw it out there into the universe or whatever. And, and, and it does its thing. And, I still get messages from people about that album because it was just uh I just did it from a pure sense of joy instead of you know oh man we've got to sell this amount of records and oh blah 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 we've got to get the streaming up and the following and you know I never had any of that and um and so yeah so I I try to operate in that in that way where you know. I, I don't create things in order to get anything back. I have to create it from a pure sense. And um and, Let, and then some of the albums some of the albums that like were on radio and whatever were created for that way of selling records because that, you know, it's called the music business. So you, you know, you have to and especially when you're on a major label or wherever, you've got a certain uh Things to you've got certain hoops to jump through, in in architecting um, the way that you know it's perceived and you know, whatever too. So, and every songwriter knows that you know. Like in Nashville, you've got six or seven songwriters sometimes sitting in a room writing a song, um, in order for that song to get hit radio because they've got targets to meet and it's a business, you know. Whereas I write songs for legacy like i write it as this is my my diary entry for today and um you know i don't necessarily write it as a sport not saying that the other version is bad or anything it's just that's not how i um approach music you know
1: Well, I think one of the things that you um, so aptly do is put your whole heart, mind, body and soul into it. And I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about your experience about wanting to really, I guess, discover the heart of George Harrison. And you took yourself to India and that was quite a journey in itself. Could you explain to us (laughs) a little bit about how you immersed yourself and ensconced yourself in the Indian way of life and how did
0: that affect you? Well, I was – so I had, you know, I had had some pretty bad depression, anxiety. Everything came to a head, a tipping point where uh, one of the times in my life – I mean, there's been many red flags of my life, um, but one of the times in my life was when I had to get off an a international flight taxiing out to uh, to go to America, and it was just before everyone had – camera phone so that was that was I guess that's the blessing (laughs) because it would have been a lot worse but I I, you know I had a bit of a a struggle with anxiety on the plane I had to get off the plane so I said to the air hostess look I need to get off this plane Um, I don't know how I'm going to do it I just know that this is all wrong I'm in, a, I'm in the wrong spot in my life. I'm, I felt like my spirit was going one way and my body was going the other. And this m- major surge of adrenaline and panic was going through my veins. And it wasn't the first panic attack I've had. I've had them all my life. But this one was certainly one to remember. And so the, the beautiful air staff at the time said, yep, no worries. We're going to turn the plane around. We're going to get your bags off all good and this is international so you know the international is a lot different to a domestic flight so they turned the plane around got me off the flight had to go you know go through re-go through customs or whatever and get the logistics of that was a bit different to whatever you know and so i went home for three months i think and literally grounded myself um and with the help of my lovely wife shah i it was like I needed to retract kind of a lot of things and work out what the hell I was doing. And I ended up doing transcendental meditation, something that I've always wanted to do, um, which literally overnight changed my brain. I don't know what it was, but I remember my first ever meditation with um, my beautiful teacher who's now passed on, but her name was Carol Ma. And um, I used to go and, in the heart of sydney i'd go up to the 11th story of the building <laughs> and every thursday whatever it was and uh and go and get uh, and go get my mantra and get taught how to meditate for for an hour and it was the only thing that i did the only thing i that got me out of the house i was literally a recluse um and uh I get goosebumps just thinking about it, you know. And and then so we had these amazing chats, Carol and I. And um we and I and I remember as a kid, uh, when I was really young, being very drawn to the Beatles anthology thing that was on TV. And I was really intensely drawn. Like I was I became obsessed with this anthology to the point where I wore out the VCR because I taped it off the TV and and when they got to India. I remember John going up in the helicopter with Paul, and Paul was like, "You know, um, John wanted to go up and uh, with the Maharishi, and he he thought that the Maharishi was going to slip him the answer, which is the answer of life. You know, what what was the key ingredient to this whole thing that we're doing? What is this all about? You know, so John was my hero growing up, and he still is. Um, but what got them there was George and his interest in the uh, the Indian culture and the, and the spirituality and the and the meditation and the um and the, I guess the musicianship of Ravi Shankar and all that um so when I was watching this black and white footage of the Beatles in India I just felt drawn to that like it was like the same thing with the Thriller thing it was like I know that I just something about that it's a spirit thing in me that I I just knew what that was about you know as a really young kid so. When I started Transcendental Meditation, I, subconsciously or whatever, I started remembering, oh, wow, this is what the Beatles did. Oh, right. Amarishi. Oh, right. And it's, I started putting the pieces together. It was like I've always was sort of moving in that direction anyway. And um, anyway, a few years later, I'm like, I'm going to do a George Harrison show about his spirituality. And I did this one-man show about George. And I toured it around Australia and did pretty well. And and um and uh anyway, long story short, I, I ended up going to India and and retracing his steps and ended up at the Maharishi Ashram. Um with a friend of mine who actually lives in Texas. He just came around the other day. <laughs> and but he's an Aussie guy as well. He's a cinematographer here in America. But uh we have this kinship together where you know, any anytime you go to India with something, somebody no matter if you've seen them for twenty years, you, you always remember your experience going to India, um, uh, you know. And so we had this amazing time where we <clears throat> we travelled through uh, Agra, Agra, and Rishik. We went to. It we was finished off in Rishikesh. We went to Varanasi, um, the most ancient city in the world. Um, and learned so much about their culture and their and their, the spirituality and the beautiful people there, and it was just it was an incredible time. Um, but Rishikesh was something that I've always wanted to do, and I did it. And when I got to the ashram, I was just blown away. Like I was standing in the uh, in the in the meditation hall where I saw on that anthology um and I was standing in the spots where I kind of recognized from the documentary of the Beatles thing and I went to John's pod and I played a song in there and I've got footage of that and but the, the the whole thing was to sort of experience this uh the narrative that they went through and and I guess connect with that but I got more out of it for myself and um was faced with a lot of challenges too I had OCD at the time well like quite a quite a lot like OCD of you know having to clean everything and um, having to like be challenged by not just the local shops but the outside world. You know, I was I literally went from being a reclusive to then going to India five years later, <laughs> so or four years later, and, um, and something that I never thought I would I would do. You know, I was always sort of scared, you know, about everything. Came home from India and and that completely left me. Um, and the the meditation helped, and the the level of knowledge that you get um through the spiritual teachings of 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 their culture is just incredible. the Vedic knowledge and all that so i I really went down that that path for a while and and it does come up every day it's not a day where I don't think about uh about india or about the about the the scriptures that i've learned or the or the the teachings that i learned you know around that time and it's made me made my fear uh a lot more uh you know i, I can i you know i guess it's a i don't have much uh a lot more the fear that i i did have has gone away so you know it's um an incredible yeah it was an incredible time and and you know they they really did do much more than be musicians those guys those four guys from liverpool eh they they did change the world in a lot of ways so much, time, <laughs> so much,
1: yeah. and still do continue Jay, yeah, they do.
0: as yeah. you know. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the things that I find so fascinating about musicians is we're all artists in our own way. But there's something about music that, as you say, if it can connect another person to a time and a place, or have them get goosebumps. And Danny's hugely into music, as you know, and even his autobiography. Every chapter is named after a certain song that meant so much to him, and. He was hmm, the music yep. man on the tour and, and yep. my first album that I ever bought was Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller. I was 15 when it <laughs> came out and, and yeah. I just, you know, I remember it all so clearly and, you know, it really does mean a lot. But, you know, through your journey and through all the time of, of growing and finding yourself, music has been your pathway and we all find love and we all hopefully find the one. How did you happen to find the gorgeous Charlotte Gregg and how have you both grown together with her love of acting and being an incredible artist and, and voice expert in her own way? How have you both managed to grow with being such beautiful, big personalities really in your own right?
0: I never would have been able to do anything in my life without Char, basically, full stop. Like it, it, when I met Char, I was, uh, you know, wow, I was, I don't know what trajectory I was on, but I wasn't on the <laughs> right one. I can tell you that. <laughs> and um, when I met Char, it was uh, very, um, like I just knew there's something, you know, you, you just know when you meet the right person. And we've been through everything. I mean like seriously everything together I met her be- just before the uh, the Aussie Idol experience um we literally got to know each other that first year um whilst I was on TV and 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 you know and and doing all that so um we survived that uh <laughs> and um then we and then you know I had my challenges I guess uh, and um and she just she was the rock through all of that and then four years later that we had our beautiful baby boy willow uh who came and changed our lives forever still changing our lives daily um and we decided to back ourselves and we were the you know the sydney couple that were on red carpets and all that sort of thing you know uh, the first part of our relationship, was, I guess, it's not a normal, <laughs> normal experience in a in a very in the first in the dawning of a relationship to sort of be doing all of that. So it could have easily fallen apart because uh, we were very both of us were very career orientated. You know, she was on a TV show. I was, you know, the Aussie Idol guy you know and i was touring and I uh, didn't really see her much the first few the first year of of um uh, you know our relationship um but it just it just every every with every experience got stronger and stronger and stronger it was like you know i guess at one point it was like you know mr Sabotager over here um could sabotage this whole thing to the point where you know oh well it you know, uh, I, I can turn around and say, I told you so when she leaves me, <laughs> that sort of thing, you know. Um, and and we've, we're have we really just worn out. We're both similar in the fact that we wear our hearts in our sleeves and we're honest in whatever we do. And when we do it, we both go all in and we both have our, each other's backs and we... Uh, it's this sort of soul thing, I guess. You know, it's like we're, um, we're very, very, uh, you know, we're, we're a team. We're a very good team, I think, you know, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, and then we moved to the Sunshine Coast after the Sydney experience of, you know, feeling like we were on a treadmill all the time, trying to keep the dream alive. We decided that, oh, well, we're going to move to the Sunshine Coast and um, and slow it down a little bit with our two-year-old Willow and then we ended up having Jackson um who came along and completed our family i think and uh <laughs> and uh we, yeah it's just been i just i don't know it's just been a fairy tale uh, almost you know like we we you know we've obviously had our challenges and um gone through it all together um but uh it just it, the yeah it's just it fits 110% and we um and then moving here was an absolute curveball I mean three years ago, if somebody told me that I was living in Nashville with with Charlie and the kids, um, I would have said what in what alternative universe, but I guess you know anything's possible um, and here we are, and this experience has been i guess this one of the stressful, if not the most stressful thing in our lives, just because of being so far removed from everything and everyone we know when we landed, but also the global pandemic situation where, you know, we had to sign a stat declaration to to leave the border in Australia um, and then get here in Australia and I guess start all over again. And in probably the, the, one of the hardest industries on earth, which is the music industry. And, um, so, yeah, we, it, it was a, I guess, yeah, it's definitely been a bold move, but we always, we look at each other some days and we go, you know, I guess like we are the 1% that, you know, we know that we're going to survive. Like we're going to be okay. We're whatever happens, our marriage and our um, unionship is always going to survive. Any, if we could survive this, we're going to survive anything, you know. And so it's been an incredible, um, yeah, just I'm so blessed to have somebody like Shab, you know, as a as a wife because she's just um, she's really superhuman in a lot of ways. Anyone who knows her can definitely agree to that. (laughs) She is
1: one amazingly beautiful, incredible soul, as you say, and you both just bring out the best in each other. And one of the things I love most about you both is when you're both laughing and just really seeing the joy through all the challenges and everything. But, you know, as an actress, as a musician, you know, like you just said before, there's times when you truly do sabotage and we all do it. We all don't believe in ourselves or there's times when we don't feel good enough how have you managed to get through those times when you've questioned it all? What You've said TM is one of your go-tos. Obviously, writing music yeah. is another go-to. How do you pick yourself up from those times when you haven't even been able to leave the house or when you've wondered if making this move is the best thing of all, or are you a good enough dad or are you a good enough human? I know we've had these conversations, but for you personally, how do you stay connected to being in love with yourself and truly honoring yourself whilst listening to that other voice perhaps saying the complete opposite
0: what i've learned about meditation is it's a it's a tricky beast sometimes because yes it does have so many great uh for me this i'm talking personally for me i'm not talking about anyone else i don't know what anyone else thinks but with meditation is it, it allows you to see outside of yourself and all your problems can be uh, laid out in a bird's eye view. And you can pick them, you know, with my ADD brain, you can pick them apart one by one and learn to sort of uh, uh, decompartmentalize them in your brain. But sometimes um, it can also, it's not enough. You know, you have to take action uh, and real action in your life in order to make things happen. You can't just sit on a cloud and everything's going to be okay. I mean, some people will tell you that, that and that works for them. Cool. Whereas for me, um, the it's the in, in action in doing it, you know, like um, when I write a song, yeah, mainly the best songs come in five minutes. But then when I do take a step back from that initial five-minute uh, download, I can then uh look back on that and, and reinterpret interpret it and and uh refine it, refine it again and and it's in that action that actually creates the the practicality of the song, which then turns it into it to be um downloadable for everyone else but yourself. So it's you know, and I look at it as a service all of a sudden, than not just sort of like this kind of Creative mechanism that you do on your own, you then turn it into something that makes sense for everyone else. Um, so it's the um, for me, it's the um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, the the meditation helps to work it out initially, but then it's going up and doing it and backing yourself and 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 whatever works for you. For me, it's a hit workout um, is is taking action. Um, in a way of uh, getting into your body and, and uh, getting those good endorphins going. And and it's definitely not going out drinking or it's definitely, and I know not what to do, <laughs> you know, definitely not going out for a big night trying to work out your problems because I've done that a lot of times in my 20s and that didn't work out very well at all. Um, and you know, and, and also, you know, writing down, like, you know, people call it journaling, you know, I guess, but it's like, you know, writing down um, what uh, your, your aspirations and, or writing down, you know, just your thoughts. Sometimes it can not even make sense until you look back on it in five years and go, wow, that makes complete sense. Um, Sometimes I've written songs that had, I had no idea what they're about. And then, you know, just this year I'd, I looked at a few songs uh, that I wrote when I was seventeen, and I was like, "Wow, all of that stuff happened, or ha- is happening now. It's crazy." So you can, you know, I guess um, what else? I, you know, exercise. It's it's really the 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 simplest uh, things that you've heard over and over again is what works for me. Um, is uh, making it, you know, the the more grounded, the more simple, the better for me because of my ADD distracted brain <laughs> it needs routine routine's a big one making your bed in the morning they say in the navy they you know or something in the army or the navy whatever it is they say if you make your bed in the morning it it it's um it wires your neuro pathways in your brain um to sort of I don't know what it is. What is it, Kimmy? I, I know you know that one. I, I don't, I, but it, it is something like how like. It's like a win, it can, isn't
1: it? A win to start yeah. the day. It's, the, it's a win, something. that's
0: right. Yeah. Achieve something. And you do feel that sense of accomplishment. That's right. Um, mm. um, and I noticed that. I, and also, you know, like actually training my dog was a great thing for my. I didn't know I had PTSD, but I did. And so when I trained my dog, all of the panic and the fear that i had um uh and stuff that i that was sort of left uh, I i you know i we had we got this dog for willow and we thought oh the ideal you know the idyllic getting the golden retriever oh that's going to be amazing you know and then all of a sudden what do we do with the golden retriever <laughs> and so like you know ended up having and then i ended up doing a course in almost doing a course in training a, a, our our dog and we we trained him and he's the beautiful boy, he's still on the Sunshine Coast, sadly, but he's a beautiful um, dog and um, I miss him dearly. And But that helped me so much in that 18 months of uh, doing something repetitive every day by just doing the same thing over and over again was such a great thing because in my my life, I don't have that nine-to-five structure. I've, you know, I, I'm my own boss, so putting that self-discipline in place uh, moves a lot of the time. But when I do put that self-discipline in place, man, I'm, I achieve so many things um, at such a greater pace. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I guess it's structure and boundaries around a creative endeavour is what makes it happen.
1: I love that. And I think yeah. that goes for everybody, structuring yeah. boundaries or everything. And, in fact, part of my, well, my little beautiful book, The Art of Self-Love, Self-Discipline, to me, is one of the steps of self-love. And if that's yeah. such a big part of your world, then can I ask you, what is your definition of self-love then?
0: Uh, I I struggle with self-belief. Um and believing that I can, even though I'm on this crazy path, uh, I know doubt, self like doubt comes up a lot. Um, and believing in my own you know, my own thing. That's that's a really big thing for me, like to to actually admit that I believe in it or I'm because I can have I could have Paul McCartney come in here tomorrow and say, hey, man, I really love your stuff, and I still wouldn't believe him. <laughs> and so I have to really work at that. Um, and so for me, that's my ultimate goal is to believe in something. And I, I have an image of me when I'm really old sitting in a cinema listening to a, a piece of music that I've composed for a film and, I've, and I'm like, and Willow's old, older, he's, you know, he's 40 or whatever. I'm 80. Um, Jackson's, you know, a little bit younger than Willow, I guess, you know, whatever. And and I've got, there's all these people there. It's like premiere night or whatever. And I think, and I look back on my life and I think I've got all this music that I've banked up in all, all through my life. And all of a sudden I've composed this great piece of music that it's going to be awesome in a film or, you know, it's going to be remembered. And I, now I can die happy. Cause I know that this piece of music is going to live on like "Fur Elise" or what a wonderful world or whatever. That's I guess is when I'm going to go, I believe in myself. <laughs> and, and that, and that's the great expectations that I said i put on myself, um, you know, uh, from an early think, age, and that's it's what a funny drives me. Thing that I mean, we have
1: to be reaching such a high echelon. Is that because you put such high expectations, like you said at the very beginning, you've put such a high load on yourself that it's hard for you to see any step in between as the success or the epitome? And for you, it's not until you get that level that you will actually feel successful. And does that mean money to you as well, or is that no. just the accolade?
0: No, yeah, anyone who knows me, uh, my accountant's uh, frustrations uh, or whatever, um, will say that, oh, man, you know, he's definitely not in it for the money um, because I would not be sitting and doing this right now if I was in it for the money. I'd be off, uh, I don't know what I'd be doing, but, yeah, I'd probably be a gardener (laughs) or something if I wasn't doing music. But um, I don't know. I just, um, for me, I... I just have these great dreams and and visions um about things and um and I've always had that and every year I get older I I you know I put more pressure on myself but just recently you know working here in Nashville um, working with a my a good friend of mine who produced this record that i just um that 's out on april twenty second by the way um that that I just recorded and you know i 'm you know rubbing shoulders with people that work you know working with these big guys like paul McCartney and you know people like that um, i I know you know i I feel in that respect I feel like i 'm home. Um my soul is is like you know going, yep, yep, this is correct yep we 're right here we're we're on the right path now, this is good, you know, so there is all of that, so a lot of that expectation has quietened down somewhat, but yeah, I do have um insane dreams um for myself, and i, I do want to strive to as big and uh, as big as possible um and i it 's the first time i i guess i 've admitted that you know. It's been a long time for me to actually even say those things because, um, you know, I guess growing up when you say, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to be the, you know, the, the biggest uh, artist in the world or whatever, you know, usually the response was, oh, get a life, mate. Go. <laughs> You're dreaming, that sort of thing. Um, so uh, and maybe, you know, maybe I am, but I'd rather dream than not, you know. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that, and I, I hope I can say
1: this to be so bold, I have visited America a number of times, but I would say one of the biggest things America is about is the bold, the brave, the courageous, the, they pump you up. It's, and I think we were talking off here before, it's the journey going up that you are so, um, it's almost like everybody wants you to win and succeed as opposed to other countries that seem to have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome. Have you felt that since you guys have been in Nashville and how is that affecting you and your career?
0: it um it, it is that way it's like anything is possible um you know working with my mate Justin here Justin Carterloo and he's he's worked with you know a lot of people um in his time i mean you know uh Alice Cooper and Paul McCartney you know um mixed Taylor Swift you know like all these guys and Justin like i've been a mate of his for 12 years when I first came to Nashville, very different place back then. Um, But working with Justin, like, it was like, I want to try this, or I want to try, you know, like a reverse guitar solo or whatever it is, you know, or or I want to put this instrument on that part of the song because of this, this, and this, whatever. And immediately it was like, let's do it. Let's try it. You know? And we had this kind of, uh, motto in the studio between he and I was like um, everything's got to be purposeful but it also we don't know if we don't try it so there was no rules in that way Um, and that was the greatest part of it all because it was like anything was possible and then we honed it in at the end and we sort of threw out what we didn't need you know and that's what all creative processes should be like. And, um, sometimes it's not that. And, uh, you know, and there can be ego and whatever, or bravado, whatever it is that gets in the way of that. Um, and, you know, and I, I mean, look, I don't, I, I think, uh, being, you know, it's a, a, like a singer songwriter, it, it's hard enough, um, to sort of get anything on, on an, on an album these days that you sort of walk away going that's exactly what I wanted but I can safely say I, I for this time around I, I really do feel like I've uh, I've achieved something um, in my life that I, I can now say well I'm really happy with this and I can stand by it and and anything is possible and um, we live in a whole new age in the in the music industry um, and I think you know, I only know a little bit about the music industry, but I feel like anyone uh, that has a platform online or whatever can create a whole industry for themselves and be an independent artist more so than any other time. Um, there's so much more opportunities that are about to evolve the next three to five years, you know, with the NFTs and uh, these these all these great uh, things that are starting to come out of the next generation and people are going to be able to just release music that they want to release and say to the world what they want to say without all these rules and uh, regulations and, you know, things that have been kind of put up, put upon uh, artists um, the last sort of 40, I don't know how many years, but, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a great time. It's a great and a very exciting time because I feel like there's a place for every artist Um, and there's not much of elitism anymore. Like, You know, even 10 years ago, there was this elitism. It was this divide between, like, you're the cool artist and you're kind of the daggy artist. But, you know, it's like everyone's collaborating with everyone now and there's a celebration of music, which is what it's about. You know, music is about celebration of life. And about us coming together as one, you know, as as people and as a human race and not just kind of dividing. And so that, yeah, there was a a bit of a strange time at one stage, I guess, you know, with the sort of elitism between different, you know, different artists and things. But, um, yeah, I think that's all done and dusted now, which is great.
1: As we come to the close, and you know that I never want to say goodbye to you and that gorgeous family of yours, but I know your time is precious. Just as we come to a close, could you tell us a little bit more then about this album and its release date, April 22nd, and how we can follow you to make sure we all get it as soon as it's released, whether it doesn't matter what part of the world we're in. Tell us a little bit more about some of the songs on there too.
0: Um, well, I, the, uh, there's 14 songs um it was produced and the bulk of it was written oh no half I guess half of it was written in Nashville because it's the story of us um arriving in America but I'd written a lot of songs um prior to leaving uh um Australia and it kind of runs in chronological order which is sort of a happy accident but there's 14 songs on there and it starts off with me leaving Adelaide as a, as a kid. And then as the songs go through, it's like a journal entry to myself or to my boys. Um, and, you know, well, this is the, the struggles I'm going through with this song or this is what I've had to overcome or this is what I'm celebrating. There's, there's a whole bunch of emotions in it all. Um there's the song "Never Going Back to the Dark Side," which is like, I guess it's like a you know, in every theater show there's an arc, or a, a movie there's an arc, and there's arcs in this record where like fourth song in it changes pace, and it and you could see it as a as a almost like a theater show sometimes because um, of the story and the narrative that flows through the whole album. Um, I can't tell you the album name because kind of we it sounds funny, but. I my manager promised Rolling Stone that the- <laughs> there we go, a little name drop for you um, in, in for the exclusive of the of the record here. So can't tell you the name, but it's um, there's there's some really cool uh, stories on there, and and there's a there's also a letter to my boys in the future um, about what has happened this last year, and kind of like talking to them in the future, and saying you know well. Your mum and I moved to America in a global pandemic <laughs> and 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 um and this is what transpired and this is our story and you know we want you to know that you can do anything in life if you put your mind to it sort of thing so um, it's truly beautiful I
1: can't wait and
0: I am just so
1: super excited there is something about it, it's like when Danny played cricket for New Zealand I used to be so into cricket when he was playing and I'd be so excited when you know someone out there on the stage whether it's sport or music or um, artistry writing books whatever it is there's just a little part of us all that feels like we you know we own a little piece of that magic and it just feels and fills our own cup and feels mm-hmm. so good and That's something you do for so many. And I think the one thing I'd say is there's probably a lot of people who you have no idea whose lives you touch as a musician. You don't know who's listening to that song or where it's been played or how someone's interpreted your words and how they've been used at different events or ceremonies. And I just think it's just one of those amazing laws of procession where the ripple effect goes beyond anything you would ever, ever imagine. And I can honestly say hand on heart, on behalf of all of us who love your music and love you as a human and your family, you do truly touch us and the the most precious thing of all is that we get to play your music constantly so even though you are 25, 6,000 miles away from us, we still feel mm. very connected to you. And I just want to say congratulations, Wesley. This has not been a big, easy move for you guys. And we all miss you terribly. But to see you living your goal, living your dream, is, it, that fills our hearts just as much as, as if we were with you right beside you. So huge kudos and huge congrats to you for this album, honey.
0: Thanks so much, Kimmy. Thanks for having me on.
1: Awesome. Oh, it's been a treat. Now, sweetheart, to finish, you know, like if we did want to follow you though, where could we go to? What's your Instagram page? Oh, so
0: anyone, Instagram,
1: driving?
0: yeah, Instagram is uh, at Wesley Dean Music. Yeah, uh, is there a
1: reason you changed from Wes Cart or Wesley Dean?
0: Uh so Wesley Dean, there is. There, there's a few reasons. Uh, one reason was like, uh, I guess. Uh, a new chapter, a whole new, you know, energy around, you know, around the whole thing. You know, I think a lot of people that, are, you know, he's just trying to avoid the whole Australian. I don't think, but I, I, I absolutely, honestly, I'm not. It was just Wes Car is something that even when I say it, I get a little bit of uh, uh, anxiety through my veins. <laughs> And I don't know why. It's something that I it felt like I had to move on from. And um, Wesley Dean Dean is my middle name, and so you know I I kind of had this sort of thing where of like a spiritual thing, almost like well, that's what my mum gave. That they're, they're the two names my mum gave me. And you know, growing up, you know, for whatever reason, I just you know, I don't really feel like that's sort of part of me anymore. So Wesley Dean just feels like it, you know, for now, it feels a lot more connected um, to who I am. So beautiful so we can yeah. follow
1: you on wesley dean music on instagram and you will announce all dates through the rolling stone i loved that you drop that in um we can follow you through all of that <laughs> and we will wait with anticipation my friend because there's something about you know kiwis come to australia to make it then go on to the uk or america but Amer- australians seem to have to want to or need to get to america to make it big and isn't it funny that you're appreciated back in your home country more when you've made it in another country it just seems so bizarre
0: but yeah, it is. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah I, psychological, psychology. Well, what is it? Psychological. There is a description. I can't remember what it is now, but anyway. Oh I gosh.
1: love the fact that we'll play with that. Um, sweetheart, your final words, the self-love podcast listener is someone who loves to hear people's stories, how they transgress through challenge and still grow and have faith and hope and believe in love and all of those things. And we've certainly mm-hmm. had a beautiful insight into you. And just your final words to this beautiful audience, if there was anything you would have as a message to someone who would happen to be listening to this. And by the way, just so that the listener knows, you wrote, My intro music to the self love podcast that's you playing (laughs) that, and your beautiful wife, Shah, is the voiceover. So I feel every week, twice (laughs) a week, I'm connected to you guys anyway. So our beautiful listener may need, you know, may love to know that. But what would be your final message to the self love podcast listener and also your favorite quote at the moment?
0: Okay, final message would be uh, you know, for 2017. I thought I was done with music completely. I thought I was, uh, that was it for me. I, I And I was, I'd, re, you know, resigned to the fact that maybe, yeah, that's, it was, that was it for me. Like I wasn't going to pursue my music career. There was no opportunities arising. I was that guy from that TV show many years ago. I was placed in that sort of pigeon pigeonhole, bo- um, pigeon and I couldn't get out and I didn't have any cre- creative inspiration. There was the, the fire was definitely going out. Um, so I guess it was 2018, uh, Jackson had just been born. No, it was the start of 2019. Jackson had just been born and uh, he was six months old and Shah and the kids took off to Coffs Harbour to go see her parents for 10 days. And I said to Shah, give me 10 days. And if nothing, if I don't write a, a, any kind of music, that's me done. I gave myself 10 days to decide what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Cause that's how crazy I am. And she was like, okay, cool deal done. So she, she left. And I literally sat in a room for 18 hours a day, every day for those 10 days um, in the, in the height of summer in the sunny coast with, with not much, there was a fan, but the humidity was pretty bad that week. Uh, and I wrote a lot of songs um, and it didn't come out until I, I wrote songs that I was happy with. And that was, I had no plan. I didn't even know why I was doing it because there was no one interested in who I, what I was doing. There was no industry person calling me. There was no, nothing. It was, there was no gigs. There was nothing. And I, uh I thought I was done, um, but I knew I had to do it because something in my heart and my soul was telling me, you have to do this. There's no choice. You've got to do this. And so that those 10 days were very defining for me because uh, when Charlie came home, I had all these songs. That eventually got me here in America, working with these massive people in Nashville, and everybody wants to write with me now. Um, and that was what—that's a like, you know. Due to COVID, it's been a longer process. But if there was no COVID, it would have been a year turnaround. So these stories that happened—that you know—you've given up. It's like that meme where that guy's digging for treasure and there's one guy that's that's given up and there's the treasure on the other side and it's only one one more dig away and he's going to get the treasure and the other guy that persists gets the treasure. It's, it's the same thing. It's like, well, if you're out there and you're going, you're at a crossroads or you're going to give up your passion because it's just not worth it anymore or COVID's affected you in some way where it's just completely, you know, Brought you to your knees on whatever passion that you have, that you go well. That's got to. That's got to wait another five years because I've got to go off and, and do this. Um, don't discount um, that feeling inside. You know, don't always listen to that because I've been doing that a lot more lately, and um, and it and it's working. It's definitely working this time. Um, so I guess in a very you know, in the short way of, of, all of that is just, yeah, you know, it sounds corny, but listen to your heart because um, it's going, it'll get you places you never dreamed of really.
1: I just, I was talking to myself just then. I hadn't taken myself off mute. I just love yeah. the fact that, that I feel like that's a song in itself. Listen to your heart, but yeah. Tell me then, um, for all of us then listening to this, not wanting to give up on the treasure and always wanting to keep the faith, it's really the constant of what I've taken away from your message today is stay in the work, stay moving forward, keep breathing, keep believing, and you've got to take action is the biggest thing I've taken from you today is that you can't just sit there and hope the world will change or things will come to you. It that's really right. is about you participating and never giving up, and that's something that I Certainly, taken from you and Shah over the years, and I can't wait to get her on the show as well because she has her own unique, amazing story as well.
0: Yeah, but you um, speak better than I do.
1: Oh, <laughs> trust me. You speak. You speak beautifully. I'm sure if we got you to say the whole show in, in a song, it would have been amazing too. Um, you could probably summarise this whole talk in one of your songs that are com- <laughs> is coming out on the 22nd of April. But really love it. Have absolutely loved our conversation and and your final quote, sweetheart. What would that be today?
0: Um, so I sent this to a friend of mine the other day, and it- it's uh, I, I I really don't know who said it. It was just one of the one of the things I saw on the online, and it was uh, a sign of intelligence is an awareness of one's own ignorance, which really resonated with me. Yeah, say it again. You know, a sign of intelligence is an awareness of one's own ignorance. Oh, it's so true. It's so and true. It, it's like you know I, I don't know who said it, but. It's it goes back to the the my uh, India uh, I, the, the day as I went to India and the and all of that. It's like you know realizing that you're you're just this tiny little blip on the map. You know that you are. I think I I heard a story when I was doing the George Harrison stuff and I was reading a lot about George Harrison. I heard a story and I can't remember who told it to me or whether I saw it on YouTube or wherever it was, but. Even if this story is not true, I don't even know. But I'm gonna. It, it's a cool. It's a cool story, no matter what. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> George had this friend, and he was f- afraid of flying. And this guy uh, did not want to come and visit George because he was afraid of flying. He never got on the plane. And George said, "What makes so you? <laughs> what makes you so special that you think the plane's going to crash?" And I remember thinking, like, it was just such a light, bold moment for me. Even if that's a, a, an untrue story, it uh, or whatever, and to cut like you know, to, it puts a lot of things in perspective. It's like you know, um, to realize that you're not that important in the most, and I'm saying this with the most kind and and caring, <laughs> you know, most kind and caring way. It does put your, it does keep your ego in check, and it actually. Uh, for me anyway it works because I like to to do that uh to myself in order to then go and create more music because if I start hanging up my trophies and 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 placing all my accolades around me I'm going to forget pretty quickly who I am and what I'm in pursuit for in the next round so um it's the old you know and I guess that's kind of how I operate it's like I um, I sell, you know, you've got to celebrate your losses as well in order to then, um, you, you know, for the gains in the future or something, you know, it sounds very Conor McGregor now. <laughs> 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 you, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes, but you're I, amazing. Yeah, that really, that really, that really resonated with me in that quote. I really liked, I really like that one. So you know, it just
1: it just so reminds me one day I just share this final story with you. But I was a practitioner, I had been sent a beautiful lady who was going through all sorts of trauma and problems by a doctor. And he asked me to take care of her. And I just took it as the biggest compliment that this doctor, this medical doctor, had asked me to help this lady. And after six weeks, he rang me and he said, How are you going with her? And I said, Oh, I just, I'm so sorry, I feel terrible. I can't, I just can't seem to fix her. And he got so angry, he turned around and he said, who the hell do you think you are to think that I asked you to fix her? What, do you think you're God? And I was so shocked by his result, his response that I was like, and he goes, I never asked you to fix anybody. I, no one can fix anybody except themselves. I've just asked you to support her, to help herself. That was one of those moments for me. Who did I think I was? Was I that arrogant or ignorant to realize that I had to fix this woman. And I think all of us as musicians, practitioners, therapists, artists, whatever we do, our job is not to fix or change others. Our job is to truly be the fullest and most beautiful expression of ourselves. And if that makes an impact or creates a legacy or has some sort of beautiful um, ripple effect to people beyond those we know, then wow, that really is doing our work, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I think, you know, um, I absolutely. And in my, in my tra- you know, in my world, in the music world, um, that whole thing of like to think that, you know, that you, you're not that important kind of thing, it does keep you in check. It's not meant to be a, an insult or come across like, oh, wow, far out, that's pretty harsh. It, it's more like, you know, just to keep, keep it all in check because, you know, your job is to create a service to mirror um, to mirror human nature or society or whatever and, and ref, you know, be the reflection of it, you know, okay. and, that, and, and I guess that's what I do in, in music is just to sort of um, tell my own story but in doing so, I, you know, I hope to tell everybody else's story and hope, to, uh, hope that it helps them in some kind of way, small or large. You do it in a beautiful way,
1: Wes Car. Thank you, no Wesley Dean. Thank you so much. Yeah, it could be Wesley
0: Dean Car soon. Could be the <laughs> old.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Either way, Wes, we love you. You're a special thank human. You. Thank you so
0: much. Gorgeous. You have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kimmy.
1: Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast.